0: Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture.
1: Bayer Crop Science is a proud supporter of influential women in Canadian agriculture. As a member of Canada's agricultural community, we recognize the hard work and contributions made by women to this important industry and support the sharing of their voices, stories, challenges and achievements as a way to recognize everything they bring to the table each and every day. Welcome back to the latest interview in our Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture series. In this week's episode, we speak with Heather Watson, Executive Director of Farm Management Canada. Heather has been a leader with the organization for more than a decade and is passionate about promoting farmers' leadership development and elevating the voices of traditionally underrepresented groups in farming. She coordinates the National Farm Leadership Program and undertook a project with the Canadian Agricultural Human Resources Council titled The Path Forward, Supporting the Farm Business Management Needs of Indigenous Farmers. She regularly moderates panels speaks at post-secondary institutions, and serves as an important voice in media and podcasts focused on farming. Heather's nominator, Andrea Gall, lauded Heather's passion and her efforts to elevate farming voices Canada-wide. She says, Heather has built a vast network of fellow farm management enthusiasts and industry experts to ensure top-notch programs, resources, and services are available to Canadian producers. She is passionate about helping farmers adopt sound business management practices, including developing written business and transition plans, and strong leadership. Let's hear from Heather now, in her own words. Well, welcome to the podcast, Heather, and congratulations on being one of our influential women in Canadian agriculture. Um, Thank
0: you so much. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, so now we've been doing this for a few years, so we talk to people who have a variety of backgrounds, some people grew up in agriculture, they, you know, were little kids growing up on the farm, and then some people come to it later in life, so can you tell us about kind of your early life and how that led you to agriculture and then to eventually to Farm Management Canada?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's funny, I mean, it wasn't my intention to pursue a career in agriculture, Um, And in fact, I had no idea that that was even an option. I remember, you know, in high school, I loved biology, but my guidance counselor said, well, you know, looking at your marks, you know, I think you should be an English teacher. And so I kind of started out on that path in my early days as I went to university. But I feel like I've always been drawn to agriculture, and I don't know where it comes from. Like, I certainly feel this kind of wonder and amazement for creating new life. Like, you know, the folks that are, out there growing crops and raising animals. I think it's absolutely magical. And I just always kind of felt this, oh, felt this affinity towards farming. Like that's where I'm supposed to be. So even though I'm not a farmer, I feel like I'm as close as, as perhaps I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I didn't, you know, grow up farming, like my earliest memories are certainly being on the farm. So um, when I was like, you know, very, very young, kind of under five, um, our family had rented this small little house on a local farm's land um, who was kind of willing to help out a, a small, you know, or or a struggling young family. And so we grew up kind of around agriculture and around farming, even though we weren't farming ourselves. And then I just, I don't know why, but in my early teens, you know, I spent my summers helping out on my cousin's hog farm and I just loved it. And then as it happens, my, my dad was managing kind of the local farm supply store. So kind of hardware store, but some, you know, farming um, hardware and, and little implements and things like that. So, you know, after school and on the weekends, I would work there, um, for my dad and just kind of get to know the local agricultural community. And that continued throughout university as well. And I actually ended up choosing University of Guelph because I wanted to kind of continue to be surrounded by that agricultural community. Mm. Um, you know, Western was the obvious choice because it was the closer, um university but I just I felt this kind of connection to nature and being embedded in that and so that's what drew me there but of course I didn't study agriculture I studied English literature because I thought oh I'm destined to be a teacher or a professor um because I've always been interested in you know kind of the meaning of things and how a social context or a historical con construct kind of um influences that so That led me to pursue a master's degree in the UK, Um, but I think and you'll kind of probably you know hear this as we talk that kind of is where I got my first taste of self awareness. Um, So during my master's I actually (laughs) um, had a pretty big burnout just you know just working too many hours not taking care of myself. Instead of pursuing, you know, kind of going on to my PhD and trying to be a professor, I kind of realized at that point that, you know, I really need to rethink, um, you know, what does it look like to to do what I need to do for myself and feel like that's good enough. And, you know, maybe maybe that means something different for my life. We'll see. Um, So I kind of decided, okay, I'm not going to pursue a you know, a career that um, where I'm dictating, you know, when I'm when I'm supposed to leave the office or go home at night and stop working. So I ended up returning to Canada. And then there was an opportunity at Guelph's Kempville campus, which is just just south of Ottawa here. And they were hiring people for a new project. And it was, you know, not something I had any experience in, but they were looking for someone to um, basically do a survey of farmers across Canada and trying to determine um was there an appetite for online learning when it came to business skills development and thankfully there was and so we developed you know this resource portal and these online courses and that was kind of my first introduction to you know farming proper in terms of you know the business of farming Um, and that's kind of really what got me you know into the into the work I'm doing today because it was from there that I came to Farm Management Canada. Um, after a few years, we were then called the Canadian Farm Business Management Council. Not that matters, but <laughs> I always again, historical context matters. Totally, yeah. No, yeah, So, yeah. So I ended up basically at this organization doing a totally different job, but um, I came in basically to support, um, you know, the working with a team of writers and getting information out to the the farmers across Canada in a, you know, in a timely manner, trying to make sense of what was going on in the world in terms of what does that mean for your farm business. Um, So I was, you know, looking after the website and all of our communication channels. Um, And then after about a year, there was a significant change in our support from government and um the board basically decided to make a significant change in personnel and so um I was among the the few that were left we were kind of you know the last in and we thought we'd be the first to go but it turned out that um the board was looking for kind of a new direction and so they yeah we worked together to to I guess regain our our support from the government and this is agriculture and agri-food Canada um and then shortly after that they said well do you want to want to lead us do you want to kind of keep going and i i hesitated at first because i knew my tendency to you know bite off too much (laughs) to try and do too much and i need someone else to tell me it's time to you know shut off the lights and go home um but i really wanted to help the organization and i felt like you know i i could at least get us on our feet um, and provide some solid footing for our future. And yeah, and the rest, as they say, is history. And I've been there for 12 years doing that. <laughs> of course. So um, now you, you
1: touched a little bit on this, but can you um, tell me a bit about what some of your earlier uh, career challenges were and kind of what you learned from those challenges or how you kind of got through them?
0: So um, yeah, I, I was 25 when I started at, um, at Guelph's Temple Campus. And, and it kind of, you know, it seeded this, this kind of passion for lifelong learning and trying to make the business of farming more palatable and more understanding for farmers. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was great. I had really great mentors and really great opportunities to not only lead the project I was talking about, but even things like, hey, Heather, can you help us, you know, try and find support for a robotic dairy operation? Or, you know, can you help us out in terms of managing our our maple syrup facility? Um, So it was kind of cool because I was like slowly but surely given a few more responsibilities towards the management area, um, which was really good practice because then, you know, the next kind of challenge came when I moved to this organization, and so I was 28 when I took on the role of of executive director, um, with no experience in you know in managing an organization, in in leading an organization, managing people, finances, strategic business planning, um, and and also for me, what the heck a board was, and how best to manage their expectations and work together, and kind of be that. Person that goes between. Okay, there's a team of staff and there's a board, and how do we keep everyone, you know, happy and and again managing expectations. So yeah, so that was a that was definitely a, a big one for me. But I was really lucky. Um, I fortunately came across a a kind of business consultant, and he just you know he took me under his wing and he helped us you know develop some of the key policies and you know planning processes and performance measurement processes to kind of make sure that things would would run smoothly and and kind of help have that you know foundation of kind of a systemic approach it sounds kind of boring and weird but honest to goodness <laughs> when i look back it was It was awesome because, you know, when you, when you start from scratch, you don't have a lot of, a lot to go on. And so you kind of feel like you're making it up as you go along. Whereas when you can find someone that's kind of been there and done that and seen a lot of, you know, (laughs) seen a lot of things and lessons learned along the way um, that was, that was pretty fundamental for me, but, but something else that like, just speaking of the challenges now towards. You know, kind of the self and being realistic and reasonable with yourself. That was, you know, something that in the early days I really didn't think about too much. Um, because, you know, you look at leaders in our industry and it seems like the clock never turns off. You know, they're answering emails at 11 p.m. And you think, well, I guess that's what it means to be a leader or that's what it means to be a boss. So I should do that too. So, I remember, and, you know, it's not like I'm super old right now, but it feels like forever ago (laughs) that I remember, you know, I was working the 12 hours days every day, weekends included, and just thinking that's what it meant to be a leader. And that's what it meant to be a boss. And then, you know, as your, I think your body and your mind catch up to that eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, then you realize that's not sustainable and you have to, you know, find, find a different way. So um that was kind of another challenge is to how do I, you know, how do I, I guess, try to resolve this battle between, you know, feeling like I need to do everything and do it well and do it perfect. And, you know, God forbid somebody says I didn't do something right or I missed something. Um, versus, you know, the reality of, of creating a space for creativity or, you know, maybe something's not quite perfect, but that leaves room for opportunity, um, especially for other people to become involved in your process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really key thing is just, you know, working with, with the business consultant. And then kind of a decade later, more recently, um, I ran into someone who, um, I just, you know, I felt an affinity with and he became my personal coach. And so he's been kind of helping me to understand, you know, the way that I'm kind of wired and perhaps why I might be wired that way and how to watch for those (laughs) potholes along the road. Um, So I don't slip into those bad habits that are easy to do because it's comfortable and it worked for a long time. But yeah, I mean, I know it's a lifelong commitment and, and battle at times, but um, yeah, I think the challenges to sum it up, you know, more so we're, we're, of a personal nature than of a professional nature, um, just in terms of trying to, um, reprogram myself to be a little bit more kinder to myself. I think that's something
1: we hear a lot when it comes to challenges. It's not so much about the actual material things that are placed in front of you. It's more about the internal things, the self-doubt. It's also hard when you do genuinely love what you do. You're like, I'm not burning out, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so now you mentioned a few uh, people who have served as mentors for you, you know, business coaching. And um, I'm just wondering did you have a lot of opportunities throughout your career uh, for mentors, uh, mentorship from women? Um, and, you know, if so, what's kind of the best advice you've gotten from them?
0: yeah, so no, the the list is definitely long. Like it's funny because you know you hear about mentorship programs out there and and mentorship programs even directed at you know at women and even women in agriculture, which is which is super great and wonderful. Um, for some reason I never I never pursued like a formal mentorship relationship with um, you know with with the female I don't know why Um, but definitely like when I think about that like I think of my my first you know real boss in life Um, Pat Remyard was kind of leading our business development team at Kempel campus and just she was just she is, she was, and she is just an amazing person because she was, you know, humble, but she knew how to roll up her sleeves and get the work done, but also how to kind of leverage our strengths. So, you know, she could whip up a proposal in, you know, in two seconds and just her way of envisioning how this could go and, you know, encouraging everyone and encouraging a team um, and getting everyone really, really pumped about it. <clears throat> but then also, you know, kind of, like I said, like leaving that room for others to, to feel engaged and to be engaged. And so it was really neat because I felt less like I was, you know, just an employee doing like scut work. And I was more, you know, like part of a team in a very meaningful way. So I look back on, on my time with Pat and and the rest of the members of the team, but, you know, Pat as leader is just, she's a remarkable woman. And, um, Yeah. And that was, that was really great and has been really great. And then, you know, some other folks along the way, like I, I think of our, you know, my time, I say our time, because I always think of the organization, but you know, my time with, with people like Elaine Fraze, who's, um, you know, just farm transition guru of the ages of the centuries, it seems. Um, But just, you know, her kind of bringing that realization that it's not always the huge big triumphs that um you know deserve the most or or need the most attention but to be really appreciative and grateful for the little things and you know like our team would be working with her on you know workshops and you know tools and things like that and and you know just her encouragement and 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 kind of confidence in us along the way helped build the confidence of certainly myself and other members of the team. And just seeing such a, you know, a strong, brave woman who's, you know, sharing her story, but kind of, you know, not letting it get in her way, but more um, it reveals the strength and that she can, um, you know, speak um, from a very honest and transparent place um, so that's been really cool. And then I think of my, <laughs> I always think of my partner in crime. So Ashley Honsberger, I don't know if you know her. She was um, the executive director at the Agri-Food Management Institute in Ontario. We considered them our sister organization. And although, although they're no longer around, um, you know, she really taught me kind of how to stand your ground while cultivating teamwork. So, you know, as an ED, I've always been, you um, you know, someone who likes to be behind the curtain. Like, I just I want to get the work done, but I don't want the spotlight. And, and also very much, you know, catering to, you know, is everyone okay? Is everyone happy? Like, we can't have any dissent. We can't have any confrontation. We can't have any conflict. But, you know, her professionalism in that space is, is just, you know, remarkable to kind of, you know, stand your ground um, but at the same time, still being able to cultivate that teamwork and that respect and making room for and appreciating the contributions of others. Um, and then as well, like I think of our, our current chair, Andrea Gall, and and it's cool because like I said, you know, you look at leaders in the industry and oftentimes they're, you know, they're very loud and just, you um, you know, they seem to be all things to all people at all times, and just the, you know, the world's greatest self self-sacrificer. And I forget who said it, but maybe it was Elaine. But, you know, like a, a workaholic is is not a badge of honor. I think that's how she put it, and that kind of you know resonates with me quite a bit <laughs> because you know you kind of get into that groove where it's like it's something to be proud of and to brag about, like oh yeah, I worked, you know. 16 hours this weekend and do to do. And then now it seems to have turned around and it's almost, it's almost a point of shame in a way. And I think that's almost a positive, not that shame's positive, but just, you know, that let's not reward behavior that's unhealthy for us in kind of, you know, mind, soul, and body. But, but back to Andrea, she has this quiet confidence about her and she just, she really knows how to listen and how to engage a team without, you know, kind of stomping around and stomping others out. And I just, I think that's something that we maybe don't appreciate as much when we think of, you know, the archetype of a leader or the archetype of a boss, um, you know, you can, you can lead from a quiet place of confidence. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor. Looking for more great ag talk? Check out the FCC Knowledge Podcast, Talking Farm and Food. Join Marty Seymour as he talks to Canadian producers about their lives, businesses, and the lessons they've learned along the way. It's real stories, real people, and real good conversation. Find Talking Farm and Food wherever you get your podcasts or visit fcc.ca slash podcasts. Subscribe today. So now, uh, focusing on the present and what you're doing now, um, one thing I like to ask people is tell me a bit about their typical day, but for a lot of people in this industry, there is no typical day. So, um, I guess, what are your days? Like, are they all very different, all kind of different challenges, you know, even, you know, what's your week been like so far to give yeah. us. Idea?
0: <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. And it's kind of one that you scratch your head about You're like, huh? Is there a typical day? I think, I mean, I do think there is a typical day because I think like I kind of thrive in kind of process and knowing what to expect. So I kind of, you know, I start my day, usually I'm just, you know, laying in bed and thinking, okay, what day is it? (laughs) Okay, so it's Wednesday, um, you know, what are the meetings I have? How much time does that leave for other stuff? And then of course, like I'm one of those people that I need everything written down in order to make sense of anything. So Then I open up the old laptop and I look at my calendar and see, okay, what am I scheduled to be part of and make sure I'm prepared for that kind of first and foremost. Um, And then I don't know why, but I've always, like, I've always subscribed to Google alerts because it kind of keeps you in the know about what's happening in Canadian agriculture. And so from that, I can say, okay, so there's farmers in, you know, Manitoba struggling with farming. What does that mean for us? And what can we do and how can we help? Or, Oh gosh, you know, there's um, an international crisis. What does that mean? Or oh wow, there's some new funding announced, and maybe there's an opportunity. So I kind of use that as my ideation <laughs> for the day, and then you know I kind of get 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 down to business. So I've had this running to do list in a Word document probably for the twelve years, to be honest. And it just, you know, it stays there and it grows and it ebbs and flows. And, you know, there's things that I've had on there for probably 10 years that I'll never get to. But I just, for me, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And so I just kind of need this reminder. And so, but I know I can't, I can't accomplish everything I want to. So I try and think about, you know, okay, what would, you know, what do I really need to do today? And how, you know, how can I feel satisfied? without, you know, trying to take on the whole entire world. And so I try to, you know, prioritize and just think, okay, if I can do these three things today, then I'll feel accomplished. But also, I I try and add a grain of, does it have to be done today? Like, just because somebody emailed me this morning, do I have to email them back today? Or you know, is that going to create, you know, kind of a false expectation that I'm always going to be on? And then it kind of feeds that monster of, oh my gosh, I better always be on. So yeah, so that's kind of how I get prepared for my day. And then it's just, you know, looking at the email and answering, answering the things that have come in that are of, you know, kind of more importance. And then a lot of my time, I think, is is actually, which maybe goes back to my degree, is spent um collecting data and writing things. So, you know, doing reports to the board or updating policies or, you know, um a piece of a research project comes in and I have to review an environmental scan or review a proposal to a partner for for a project or things like that. I do I do a lot of editing and I'm not sure if other executive directors do this, but for me, it's kind of my guilty pleasure. Like I just track changes as my best friend. Um, and, you know, maybe other people don't like it that much, but I just, I don't know. I, I i love editing, but I know that it takes time and I have to be really careful about how I'm spending my time. So I think that's kind of where, you know, where like, you know, yeah, there's kind of a, a daily I guess, ritual that happens in the work, but, you know, always keeping mindful of the bigger picture. So like, for example, for our organization, we have a strategic plan and that sets kind of the long-term goals and we have a business plan and it sets our annual goals. And then we kind of, you know, um, smush that down into, okay, what are, what do we need to do this quarter, this month, this week? And then of course that boils down to the day. So, so trying to, you know, link up that what needs to be done today to kind of fulfill that larger picture. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that means you know some days are different than others, but I do tend to do the same, the same kind of work <laughs> each day and, you know, meet with different groups. And, you know, sometimes it's just uh, hey, what are you guys up to? And what are you struggling with or where are you seeing success? And you know, just having kind of a a a little chin wag about that. Whereas other times it's you know it's very focused on hey like let's let's build a tool let's do some research let's do a project and and trying to find support for that and insight for that to make sure we're we're um being guided in the right way and and maintaining our connection to the grassroots and all that wonderful stuff
1: (laughs) Uh, so with your job obviously you just say you you're talking to a lot of people you're communicating directly with a lot of people working in all aspects of agriculture so um you know i'd love to know what advice you have for specifically women getting into agriculture whether it's farming itself or more on the business management side like you um what's some of the i know i know it's daunting to say what's the advice you would give for future generations but
0: what are some of the things maybe you wish someone had told you when you started Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, and I mean, you said it yourself, like, you know, it's, it's hard to speak for everyone and you can kind of only speak from your own experience, but if that experience resonates with someone or, or doesn't, you know, either way, you know, might be able to learn something. So yeah, like looking back, if I could talk to, you know, Heather in her twenties, I think my advice would be, you know, um, and it's, it's probably more than one dimensional, but, you know, try and start with the end in mind. So, you know, thinking about, like, for example, when I've, when I've worked with my, you know, personal leadership coach, one of the first things that, that they got me to do was kind of write out my vision for my life, which I've never done before. I mean, you think about it and you're like, oh yeah, but actually like writing it down and then, you know, seeing kind of, the gap is maybe there is a gap for me. There was a gap between what I wanted in life and where I was and how much time do I have to actually get there? And am I doing things that will lead me there? So for example, like I have this dream of having, you know, a house or a cottage on a lake. Like I love fishing. I love the outdoors. It's how my family bonds and continues to bond. It's just like, you know, I don't know. It just kind of feeds my soul and I don't know why. Um, but it just, it connects me with something, you know, above and beyond. And so, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, like, I'm not doing anything to bring myself to there. (laughs) So like, and, you know, now I'm not in my twenties. So it's like, okay, well, you know, work is all good and stuff. And I think you know, not just looking at success in terms of work and career, um, but also in terms of self and what kind of life I want to live and being mindful of that when challenges and opportunities arise. Because I think, you know, sometimes the hardest thing, at least for me, is, is to say no. Um, and, you know, realizing that in order to say yes to something, you should really think about being prepared to let go of something uh, and sometimes you're lucky and you can hand it off to somebody else um but sometimes it's just a no and that's okay like the guilt I feel and I don't know if other if other ladies or people can identify with this but just the ruminating and the ruminating and you're laying in bed at night about like yes. about saying no to the silliest thing like I'm trying to think of an example like uh I don't know, like, hey, can you reach out to that person and blah 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 because you know them? And it's just like, I, you know, I totally could. Like, I technically have the time, but you know, what do I have to give up to do that? I know that's kind of a silly example, so it probably doesn't mean much, but um, but the fact is, you know, life is about trade-offs. Um, and so making sure that you're not trading your life for your work. And that's something that I continue to struggle with. Um, and, you know, kind of fighting those natural tendencies, um, because you realize there's, you know, there's something better out there and it's no longer serving your interest to be that way. Um, and I think that kind of leads to like, you know, again, something I've, I've realized is just the people pleasing aspect is a lifelong challenge. Like, you know, it, it, It serves a purpose in a way, and there are some good points about it, for sure. People love working with you when you're willing to do anything to help them out. But it also, you know, might not be serving yourself. And I think for me, that kind of stems from fear. And and again, this isn't something that, you know, I sat down one day and I was like, what is this really about? But I took, um, you know, some leadership training and some personal coaching And, you know, we did this assessment of, you know, not only our self-assessment, but we got our peers and colleagues and bosses and, you know, employees to kind of do this assessment with us. And it was just really eye-opening to what I thought were good intentions might not land that way with other people. So you know, and why I do that. And so for me, it's kind of like this fear of being called out, like called out for not doing enough or not doing something well enough, or people not thinking I'm worthy. And so, you know, the people pleasing is just to like avoid confrontation at all costs, because I don't want to be, you know, kind of, you know, zeroed out as, as, you know, a an idiot, or lazy, or worse, like, you know, however, however you define it, and then trying to, you know, avoid that situation at all costs, and of course, that does mean all costs, Um, and, you know, putting yourself on the back burner, and everything else first, so, yeah, so, I also, like, I'm not sure what to do with that, except to kind of acknowledge that it is a lifelong journey, and I feel like, you know, once you know it, it's really helpful to kind of catch yourself in the moment. Like, I think it's so important to create space for us to reflect and breathe before we respond. So when you get an email saying, you know, hey, Heather, can you, you know, would you mind doing this? Instead of like, you know, your instinct is to be like, yes, of course, I'll do it right away and put everything else aside because I want them to be so proud of me and happy and be like, wow, Heather's amazing. Um, But is that really the best course of action? Is that going to serve the best purpose for myself and for, you know, the other things I'm doing, um, et cetera. So just, you know, one of the things I've learned is to kind of create that space and and also to be, you know, to create a sense of like or a practice of of gratitude. So, um, Earlier on, you know, it was kind of like, oh God, like I can't get enough done. And I, I you know, I'm just, um, you know, there's always so much work to do and I'm never making ahead. I feel like it's one step forward and two steps back. And then I remember my, my coach was like, well, you know, I want to challenge you for for a week at the end of each day, just write down the things that you've accomplished and what you're proud of and why you're proud of them and i would recommend that everybody do that because it's incredible how much we just overlook all the you know all the amazingness that we do i know that's not a word but you know just just how much we actually do and and trying to be more kind to ourselves and and trying to figure out you know what does it mean to be satisfied with how I used my hours today or, you know, how I'm, how I'm working towards these pieces and how I'm trying to, you know, balance my life. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, and I think, uh, I guess it's probably fairly obvious, but I think the best thing I ever did was just reach out for help. So reach out for help with the business consultant when I was first starting out. And of course, I didn't want to because I was like, well, if I can't do this by myself and what kind of person am I like, I'm no leader, but just getting over that. And I don't even know if it's ego, but getting over the, the thought that you have to do it yourself or else you're not worthy. And, you know, reaching out for help for, you know, whether it's on the business side or the, you know, personal side or, or what have you. Um, Yeah, to just to have that opportunity to explore yourself in a new way Um, with, you know, with someone coming in with fresh eyes and who can kind of challenge you. And, you know, especially when you start ruminating or you start, um, you know, deflecting and kind of holding you accountable and saying, well, where is that coming from? Or why do you think that? Or why do you think others will think that? So I, I think the earlier you can reach out for that kind of support and surrounding yourself with, with people who've kind of been there and done that, I think, I think it's really good. Um, And the other thing, like, I don't know where this lands in this conversation, but I, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, perhaps I am, but I also feel this added pressure because I don't have kids. And so You know, I look around me and you see these amazing women and they're not only handling their work, but they're handling family life and caretaking. And, you know, with a spouse, without a spouse doesn't matter, but, you know, children. um, And I think, well, what the heck do I have to complain about? Right. Like, I'm like, yeah, I do have more hours in the day because I, you know, don't have kids or whatever, but I also realize that that's pretty um, pretty crazy thinking, because we all have life, and we all have personal time that we need to, um, you know, life can't be all about work, and so, you know, I I try not to, to let that get in the way of my thinking, but I know that it does, and it's just something to be aware of, because, for example, if I say, you know, hey, we've got a, a funding proposal due, you know, next Friday, and and let's roll up our sleeves and do it. Like, I know I can do that. I can burn the midnight oil over the weekend and it's not detrimental to anybody else but me. Um, but, you know, the for those on the team that, you know, are, are mothers, I think, well, that's impossible to ask them to do that. And of course it's impossible, but I think, again, it comes back to, you know, trying to stay away from that, you know, comparison mode of, oh, well, you know, I. I can do it because X, Y, Z, it's like, no, the workday is nine to five or whatever it is for you. Um, You know, this is the job I'm paid to do. Am I doing it well? Am I doing it good enough? Is it something I can be proud of? Yep. Okay. Then it's okay to close the laptop at five or maybe even three some days because, you know, you work those extra hours over there, but just, you know, yeah, trying to stay away from the ridiculous competition that we set for ourselves. And, and, um, you know, the the internal, you know, plotting and ruminating and thinking, and this is really where someone on the outside can really help kind of tease that apart and help you to understand why is it you're thinking that way and how can we change your behavior, change your thinking, vice versa, mm-hmm. um, as you go forward. So I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, um, easily digestible advice but But it's it's kind of my ramblings of advice anyways I suppose from my point of view
1: I mean and that's the thing like it advice for entering agriculture can't be summed up uh in in, very easily uh with the challenges of you know being a woman or being younger than everyone else you work with and I very much relate to the pressure of not having kids and so feeling like well I should I should take on this extra thing so I I'm with you there. So I uh I love that point. Now, um, before we say goodbye, because that this pretty much brings us to our conclusion. But is there anything else that you wanted to add uh for our listeners today?
0: Yeah, no, I just I mean, I def- i I just really want to thank you for the opportunity to to chat because um I don't think I've ever been asked these questions before, like ever. And so It's really cool to even even just the process of thinking about this in this way and you know, because everything I do tends to be about the organization. And, you know, I feel maybe that's my baby. Maybe that's the problem (laughs) Is, is I've adopted the organization, but, um, and it probably is a little bit true. Um, but I just, I think what you're doing is great to kind of, you know, raise the profile of women working in our industry and, um, and share experience in a different way. So, you know, it's not coming on and talking about, um, you know, you know, whatever our our crop yields, or you know what what sprayer nozzles we've decided to use. It's a different conversation, and I think it's a conversation that needs to happen because, like right now, we're working on a a national farm women study to understand the experience of farm women and to even gauge what do we mean by a farm women? Who's out there? Who's doing what? And is it working? Is it not? Do they like it? Do they not? And, and where do we go from there? So, you know, within, you know, even though it's, it's underway right now, um, we're learning so much already just about the, you know, the challenges that are out there. Yes. But sometimes the challenges we create for ourselves um. And it's not not to say, you know, blame ourselves, but it's just again I go back to kind of my studies of what is the social construct in the historical context of where we find ourselves and what does that mean for what we can and can't do, Mm -hmm. and so just continuing to speak to that and speak to this different side of of women in agriculture or, you know, farm women, I think is so important. So I just want to congratulate you and your team for, well, um, you. for raising awareness of this. And, and of course, for, for allowing me to speak with you today, it's such a phenomenal opportunity and a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Heather. Thanks for tuning in to Egg Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Egg Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts, Or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.